Wonderful. Well, this morning, uh, we are doing something special. We are doing a pastor swap with Mercy Vineyard Church in Northeast Minneapolis. Uh, now, Mercy Vineyard Church has been a part of Mill City's journey since the beginning, and it is really awesome that we get to continue to partner with them as we both love Northeast Minneapolis in the name of Jesus. So this Sunday, as we continue our series on Matthew, we are honored to have Pastor Gary Dawkins and his wife, Lakita, and daughter, Grace. And so would you join me? Let's welcome Pastor Gary Dawkins this morning. Thank you, Pastor It is wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. How's everybody feeling? All right, make some noise now. Make me feel like I'm at home, all right? There we go, there we go. Got my amen corner over here. Somebody going to shout amen? Okay, okay, all right. I'm feeling so warm today. Thank you so much. All right, so first of all, giving all honor and praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because uh, he's the only reason that I am here living and breathing. So we're grateful for him and all he does in our lives. I want to give honor to the pastor of this house, Pastor Steph. She's been an awesome friend and, uh, you know, really been making me feel welcome here in Minnesota since we moved here 11 months ago. Uh, So we uh, came over here and are getting used to y'all's kind of cold. (laughs) It's a different kind of cold out here. Different kind of cold. I thought I was ready for anything. But I went outside and shoveled some snow without gloves on. Exactly. I've never felt pain by going outside before. It's a new kind of cold for me. Uh, uh, Grateful, I want to acknowledge my beautiful bride, my wife, Lakita, who is here with me. And my wonderful daughter, Grace, who's nine years old, she's hanging out in the kid's wing to give her a break. So wonderful times, a wonderful hour. We get to to chill for a minute, uh, a little bit. So let me tell you a little bit more about my family. You see, we are a board game family. We're board game. We love board games. Now, our favorite board game, uh, maybe because it's my favorite board game, but our favorite board game to play is Monopoly. Any Monopoly fans in the house? All right, all right. We got one enthusiastic fan, two, and some of y'all are just like, "Uh." well, those two people you can relate to this story. Listen, uh, we love Monopoly so much. One of the reasons is because I want to teach my daughter about money, how to handle money, how to properly like save your money and and earn money and invest your money. Uh, I think that that's important for our kids, especially my kid. I want her to be better off than I ever was. And so we we train her in this monopoly, and I think we did too good of a job. (laughs) Because for some reason, she always ends up with boardwalk in Park Place. I I don't know how she always lands there, but she always buys it. And then what she does, she piles houses on them. And she, she saves up her money to buy hotels on them, just so when her parents go around the board, we make sure we land there and have to pay her a big payday. You know, that's, that's, it's, it's, it's crazy that she keeps doing that and that we keep falling into that trap, you see, because her purchasing those properties impacts the whole game. It, it impacts my wife and our participation in the game. It, it really makes us think about what we're going to do as we go around the board. It, it makes passing go so precious. 
that we collect another $200, right? It, it, it helps us to think about, should I purchase this next property? Should I spend the money to put another house here because I know I'm coming around the corner and I have to pay my daughter, my nine-year-old daughter. Her, her participation in the game just completely impacts our participation. I think that uh, Jesus Christ has a message that impacts our lives greatly if we allow it to, if we bask in it, if we uh, allow it to wash over us. I think that there's a message in this passage of Scripture called uh, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount uh, that will help to impact our lives, but not just impact our lives. It will impact what we do and how we have an impact in our surrounding communities. I think that Jesus has a point that he wants to make in this series that you all have been studying, which I don't want to deviate from. I believe it's called Seek First the Kingdom. And we're looking at Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7, his longest sermon, right? If we preach sermons that long, y'all would probably not be part of the church. But Jesus preached the sermon that long, and I will not preach that long, I promise, today. Especially if you say amen, you help us get out of here faster. Look, 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 see, wrap it up, preacher, wrap it up. It's a long introduction, brother. In this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us some characteristics that he wants to see in the people who call themselves his followers. He tells people in this sermon how they should behave, how, that they should be peacemakers, right? That they uh, uh, should have all of these qualities about them. They should, he tells us how we should live, how we should follow him, that we should be his disciples. He tells us about our uh, uh, Christian character and our righteousness and how we should be gentle and how we should bring peace. But not only does he tell us about qualities and characteristics, but he tells us what we should do with them. He tells us that we are supposed to use those qualities, characteristics, to make an impact on this world. I believe he says it right here in verse number 13 of Matthew chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up or turn them on in Matthew chapter 5. Well, I believe it'll be right behind me. Hey, I didn't look behind me last service. It is there. Thank you all for that. Look at verse 13 in NIV. It reads, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you visit us? Would you fill us? Would you take this moment in your hands and have your way? Thank you, Lord, for blessing us to gather. Thank you for the truth and power of your word. We sit in awe of you 
and we honor you today. Would you use this moment to just get into our minds, into our hearts, into our lives, infiltrate us, Holy Spirit, and transform the way that we see you? Transform our hearts, shape us, mold us, and prepare us to be all that you have called us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Who is Jesus talking to in this passage? It's not up there anymore. <laughs> you! He says, you are the salt of the earth. Watch this. The word you in this passage is not how we individually use the word you in our westernized civilization. We like you individually. No, Jesus is more southern. He's saying y'all. Y'all. Y'all are the salt of the earth. Y'all are the light of the world. And this is significant, right? He, he, he wants us to be salt and light. Now, if you are new to following Jesus, welcome. Thank you for being here. If you've been following Jesus for a, a long time, years, decades, thank you. We're glad that you're here. If you're just here investigating this Jesus thing, you want to know what it's all about, I'm so glad that you're here as well. I think that there's something in here for each and every one of us. Because I think that Jesus is saying, before you follow me, before you really uh, uh, call yourself a Christian, before you really step into this thing called a Christian walk, you need to investigate what I'm all about. You need to investigate the requirements of the, of the journey. You, you need to count the costs. You need to find out, what do I consider a follower of me? It's not name only. He says, you are salt and light. You are. So what does salt do? What does light do? I think it's important to understand those things if we're going to say that we are followers of Jesus, that we are Christians. Well, first of all, salt saves. Salt Preserves. It's a preservative, right? Uh, my grandmother, early, born in the very, very early 1900s, uh, she uh, was amazed when she escaped the South and, and moved up north and found out that there was this thing called the icebox. Y'all ever heard of an icebox? Maybe you grew up, your parents, your grandparents grew up without refrigeration. And how did they preserve the meat that they had to cook for their families maybe the next day? What they had to do so that it wouldn't spoil is they had to salt it down. You see, because salt preserves, salt saves, salt prevents spoilage. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, meaning you are the preservers. If you are my follower, you are the one who saves. Oh my God. You are the one who preserves. You are the one who prevents this earth from going bad. Hmm. Jesus says that we are the salt. Axios had a pretty disturbing article that they published at the end of last year, 2021, December, 
They published this. It said, St. Paul reported a new record for annual homicides last year. And Minneapolis matched its deadliest year. In Minneapolis, the homicide count reached 96 this past year, according to the Minneapolis Police Department data. Tied, it tied the previous record set in 1995. Here's a quote from University of Minnesota's criminologist, uh, uh, Chris Ugjan. He says uh, that the frayed police-community relationship after the murder of George Floyd is partly to blame for the rise as well as the effects of COVID. This cohort of young people is exceptionally law-abiding. People in their teens and their 20s are not particularly crime-prone, but with the exception of youth who I think have been abandoned during the pandemic because of a strain on our institutions, especially schools. One of the reasons why our world, why our cities, why our neighborhoods, why our towns, why some of our families are deteriorating is because Christians have hidden from the responsibility of being salt in this world. I'm not just talking about speaking up and making your voice heard. I'm not talking about tweeting your opinion or Facebooking or arguing with somebody on social media. I think what Jesus is calling us to do is to take practical action. To show up and to show out. To do something with what is wrong in our world today. I think if Jesus was here today, he would let us know that it's not the government's problem. No, no, the politicians are not the answer to our problem. As much as we want to vote and tell people to to get this person in, I believe voting is powerful. I believe voting is important. I believe all of that. But I, I think that the police are not our real problem. Yes, We want some reform. Yes, we want to see some things change, but change comes when the salt shows up. Change comes when the salt gets up out of the shaker. You see, in this place, this is salt shaker. Salt look pretty in that shaker, doesn't it? It's nice shaking all around, right? But it is incredibly potent, but it is worthless in this shaker. You and I have incredible potency in here today. There's so many believers in here. There's so many people in here today who are just fired up for Jesus. But if you stay in your shaker, the world continues to rot. If you stay in your shaker, In this church, in my house, in my comfortability, I'm good. No, but the world is going bad. Salt saves. But watch this. Salt saves when it gets proximate. I didn't ask if I could jump down from here and 
I'm not going to get that proximate to you. I'll just talk about it. Because they're going to be like, no, we didn't prepare for this. I know, what, I know how it is to be on the tech team. I apologize. Uh, so I'll stay right here. But listen, salt, in order to have any value, it's got to get into meat. It's got to get into the fibers. It's got to get wet. It's got to get changed in order to bring change. You see, salt is no good in its shaker. It's only valuable when it gets in the meat. You see, we will never understand the movement to save lives. We will never understand the problems in our neighborhoods. We will never understand the problems in our city. We will never understand the challenges that certain people have to go through until we actually get close and personal. We can't think that we can understand because of what our news station tells us. We can't think that we can come to an understanding because of what our best friend told us. We can't think that we can come to an understanding of what's really going on because of what Facebook has to say. You'll never understand someone's problem until you get down in the problem with them. Folks, we've been called to be salt, but not salt that loses its saltiness and sits on the sideline, but salt that saves. You see, meat doesn't have to work to go bad. Have you ever had meat go bad? I remember when I was uh, living in South Carolina, uh, I had some roommates. I, I was uh, teaching at a college down there, and uh, you know, it was all guys. I think it was four of us, uh, four or five of us in, in one house. We rent in a house. And uh, one of my uh, roommates went to the grocery store and bought some, some groceries, and, and, and uh, this was on a, like a Wednesday. So uh, it came Saturday. I, I'm cleaning the house because we're living with all guys, and nobody thinks to clean the house. So I'm, and my mama raised me right. I don't know about your mama. But, but I can't stand a disgusting house. I can't cook in a kitchen that's got, ooh, I just can't do it. And so I'm in the kitchen, and I'm scrubbing the floor, and I, something not right. So I scrub a little harder, and I'm, something's not right. So I go into the refrigerator, and I pull everything out, and I clean the refrigerator, and Put everything, inspected stuff, put it all back. And, and I said, okay, it's still not right, but maybe I cleaned it. Maybe it'll go away by tomorrow. I come back through the kitchen tomorrow, the next day. Oh, it's worse. You know, you get one of them up. <laughs> one of those feelings. Something's bad. Something's bad. I'm clean. I go back cleaning the table, cleaning. I'm looking in all the cracks and crevices. Something's wrong. I took the trash out. Oh, my God. Something's wrong. I can't find it. The next day comes and I can't take it. I'm looking all around and just I say, look, I can't take it anymore, but I have to go to work. I go out, put my bag on my shoulder and I go out the back this time. And on the back of the house is a sunroom. You know where it's going. I go through the sunroom, and on the sunroom, on this little counter, is a bag of steaks. Mm. 
that my roommate went to the grocery store and sat down and forgot all about. And I'm like, nobody smell this but me? Am I the only one? Right? That meat without refrigeration, without being salted down, without being attended to, had no problem going bad by itself. But if somebody would have just paid attention to it, somebody would have just addressed it, somebody would have put some salt on it, or somebody would have put it in the refrigerator, we wouldn't have had that spoilage problem. You see, we are the salt of the earth, and we are the ones who will prevent it from spoiling if we get into it and not hide from our responsibility. Salt also seasons. Salt seasons. How many of you are French fry fans? French fry, oh, okay, all right. Especially if they come from Chick-fil-A. Come on now. I can get an amen on that one. Hey, get me started. Listen. Chick-fil-A closed on Sunday, too. Man, they need some atheists to work at Chick-fil-A. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not, we pray for everybody in the name of Jesus. We're in the holy water. Something, some oil. I need it. Y'all help me out. Um, hey, well, French fries are delicious. French, can, can you wait until you get home to eat your French fries? No. If you can, I got a trophy for you. You, you are a soldier. And that, that French fry smell just calls your name through that bag when you get it through the drive-thru and you get it in your car. And you just have to reach over and grab one at least. But have you grabbed your French fry and put that thing in your mouth in anticipation of a wonderful, warm, salty fry and they forgot the salt? Oh, my goodness. I, let me tell you something. I consider that that has to be a sin. I'm praying for that person. Listen, but really what I want to do is go back and give them peace of my mind. How can you forget the salt on the French fry? Because, see, the salt makes that potato edible. (laughs) Along along with the grease and all that other nasty stuff, right? (laughs) But the salt. Have you ever been over somebody's house that couldn't cook? You didn't want to say nothing, but they got the salt and pepper shakers on the table. You salt that thing down, man. You just got to get through this meal. Salt helps to make things palatable. Salt helps to make things edible. There's some folks out here who will never pay attention to or desire Jesus Christ. They have no interest in Jesus because of the representation of the Christians on TV. The representation that many of us uh, uh, pose on social media. The representation, people say, oh, if that's what Jesus is all about, I don't want anything to do with him. But you know what to do? You then have to give that person a version of Jesus that's seasoned well, that's salted down. Now, I'm not telling you to water down Jesus. No, I'm telling you to add some salt. I'm telling you to make a, a palatable version of Jesus, that you tell them the truth about Jesus, that you give somebody an understanding of your Lord Jesus Christ by telling your story of how Jesus impacted and transformed your life. 
People love to hear stories and they love to hear how it personally affected you. They, they, people need to be cared for. If we could salt Jesus down by going into the darkest, hardest places, by going into places where he is not there, where he is absent and bringing him by caring for people, by loving people, by showing them how much we are concerned about their well-being. People are more interested in hearing about this Jesus that you have to present. Even Jesus didn't come up to people and be like, believe in me or you're going to hell. You ever seen them kind of people walking around, firing brimstone? Okay. Jesus would heal somebody or meet their physical needs or meet them where they were before he ever gave them the truth of his gospel. People don't know that you care. People don't want to hear your Jesus until they know that you care. Ah. Let me move on. Salt is a seasoning that causes thirst. Have you ever eaten a bunch of fries? That's why they charge $2, 3 I don't know how much they charge for them, them drinks that they sell at the fast food. Right? You can get a soda for 50 cents a dollar. But they upcharge because they know that you eating that salt, you're going to be thirsty. Jesus is saying, make them thirsty. Make them thirsty with your lifestyle. Make them thirsty with your love. Make them thirsty with how much you care. Make them thirsty with your good works so that they can say, man, what is going on with you? Why are you so nice? Why do you care so much? And then you can introduce them to the living water to quench their thirst. Not only does Jesus tell you that you're salt, but he also tells you and me, that we are light. We are the light of this world. And nobody hides light. There's darkness all around us. And we're called to reflect the light of Jesus. Like the moon reflects the light of the sun. Like the moon stands out at night in a great a field of darkness. The moon can orient you and show you which way to go because it reflects the light of the sun. There's darkness all around us. You go out here today, there's darkness all around us. I was so disappointed that the news media didn't cover the story of a week and a half ago. Teenager. Shot, killed over in North. I was disappointed that the news media, I had to find out on Twitter and some other pastor friends texting me and a bus driver who drove for this school was shot in the head on the bus with three children my daughter's age still on the bus. I was disappointed that two weeks ago, a young man sleeping on a friend's couch had nine seconds to make a decision on whether to live or die in his sleep. Murdered on a couch. There's darkness 
surrounding us. And Jesus tells his followers that you are the light of this world. You are supposed to shine in darkness. You see, when we engage in good works, people will see our light. The police department needs some more light. It needs some salty, light-filled saints to join it and help it out. We need some salty, light-filled saints to get out here in the streets and bring Jesus to this world, to, to the decay, to the darkness that we see each and every day. When you do your good works, people will look at you and say, why are you doing this? What's going on with you? Why do you care so much? Why do you love so much? Why are you out here? Don't you know your life might be in danger too? Yeah. But I'm here to bring the light. And when they say that, you draw their attention to Jesus. You say, it's not just because of me. It's not just because I love so much because I'm flawed. I'm, I can make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. I fall short. But it's only Jesus that flows through me that I can come out here and I can do what I do when I do it. So Jesus wants us to be light in any and everything that we do. He wants us to be light everywhere we go. You see, if you are working your job, he wants you to be light in that situation. If you are a doctor, you're not just a doctor. He wants you to be a medical professional who shows what Jesus looks like when Jesus works on a patient. If you are a teacher, he wants you to not only be a teacher, but be a teacher who's inspired by the Holy Spirit that shows what Jesus looks like when Jesus teaches a class. If you are a retail associate, you're not just a retail associate. You are representative of Jesus Christ in the mall, in your store, at your restaurant to show what Jesus looks like when he offers customer service. You are the light of the world wherever you go and whatever you do. Worship team, you can come on up. But what I want to leave you with today is this question. How is the Holy Spirit leading you, driving you, inspiring you today to be light in the darkness? This darkness right here in the Twin Cities. How is the Holy Spirit inspiring you today to be a salty saint or light-filled believer? What is it that you can do today? Can you talk to somebody? that's been struggling? Can you go and read to some kids, help some kids out? Can you uh, offer whatever your expertise is to somebody who needs that skill? Can you step in and let the government officials know what they need to do and what you elected them for? Put a knock into no-knock no warrants to stand up and represent the kingdom wherever you go. 
Father, thank you. Because you are in this place. And you are moving in every heart this evening, this morning. Would you illuminate your light in our lives this week? Would you show us one step that we can take to inspire someone else, to be light in darkness? Would you show us a location where we could walk to, move to, uh, engage in, where someone else's life might be transformed because you sent us there? We'll be careful to give you all the praise and honor because you deserve it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.